What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to the Art of War Unbroken. Now, this is part two of the episodes. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go and check it out. I am joined once again by my co-host. He's here for the Blakening. He calls us the Nickening. He is the John Madden, Tony Romo. Um, who's that guy who's on The Bachelor? Now he's a commentator for SEC Network. He's a combination of those three. Nick Nanavati. Thank you, Blake. This is the Nickening. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Nickening. Um, we're joined by night extraordinaire night master my spirit guide in the realm of knights mr brian jones i should be here with you gentlemen brian, brian before we start no. hold on blake hold hold no, on. No. Oh. i have a question for brian brian how does it feel being blake's 54th spirit guide because everybody is one <laughs> of the big spirit guides yeah you know i it feels great anytime anybody is like i'm so excited you play this army can you talk to me about it i really want to play it it's exciting and as Nick, uh, Blake told the story about like when he went and tore open the codex the last time he and I were talking, he then sent me a text two days later of him at the beach reading it. And that just like warmed my heart. Like anything that gets people excited about the game and or excited about like a new faction or trying something out, I, I it's okay if I'm the 50. I still you know, love that he's excited. You know, Nick was there when I was reading that codex. He was at the beach with me as I was reading the codex. So that was that's awesome. It's a joint joint moment. Brian, um, I gotta ask you, this is in honor of brad this is part of the bradening so normally he steals this from me but what is the mvp of your list from this weekend and what would you say is on the chopping block i think the mvp is probably the unit i thought would be on the chopping block which is my block of three warplays with noble combatants uh-huh. uh, who knew having competitive edge on four attack three damage uh models was really really good and when you roll a two-shot melta well by having a hit reroll or a wound reroll when you need it, uh, they could really put the hurt on stuff. I, I was absolutely impressed with how well the Warglaves did in combination with the Herald buff, giving them that four up invuln, giving them minus one damage. And I always thought the Gallants thing was going to be wasted, that plus one weapon skill. But then when they're hitting on twos and you've got noble combatants in your back pocket, even as they degrade with that plus one weapon skill, it, that's it, gnarly. They hang around. Hang I will, around. I will say John's been running three of those. I don't know if it's the exact same setup. He's got the hit reroll or wound reroll. He's got the competitive edge. He's got all that stuff's going on. Those things mess me up every game. They're like high yeah. priority to kill. I'm happy when they're dead. I hate them. The other thing you don't think about is those things retaining a four up invuln in combat is freaking dirty. And they're minus one damage. This is crazy. Crazy talk. They, they are tougher than the gallant sometimes. Like, what? How? They're half the wounds, but it's just so much to chew through. And yeah, I, I was very impressed. I, I really, really love them. I, I think the chopping block, I've really, I, the Moiraxes have a place, but I don't know that I have the right weapon. I, th- I, I think I may have to play with the D6 Graviton Pulsar, yeah. which I'm terrified to do because I like fixed number of shots. I like not going into a turn and rolling snake eyes and just putting your head down. But uh, that just the AP two one damage. Um, it it does struggle in the Marines, but I will say I played Harlequins, I played Necrons, and those Lightning Locks do feel really good into those two armies. I got two. I got two points from that, Brian. The first point is we had an episode in June, and on the chopping block in June was the Moraxes. This is number. Two, this is this is the second time Moraxes have been on the chopping block for you. Yep. Uh, it was Lightning Locks last time too, Brian. I'm just saying you need some gravitons on those things. 
And point number two, if you took the Graviton, would you consider taking the Honored Sacrosens off of them and putting the um, – you can put a trade on them that lets you count the number of models as being double for determining for blast. blast weapons, which they are Blast. They are? Okay. Yeah. See, that might be the direction I take them. That's and what I'm going to do with mine. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ahead, but I know the Graviton's range is shorter. 24. So I do think it maybe pushes my army a little bit too to, to pushing more into midfield. And having another two bodies to that is probably not a bad thing because then it's two more targets you have to choose from with the Warglaves, the Gallant. That's not bad. It's target threat saturation. So if I can, if I can find them and put them together, that might be the play. You're guaranteed 12 shots on a unit. If a unit is six models or more, you're guaranteed 12 shots on that thing, right? Yeah, that's pretty spectacular. And then it's like, yeah. if it's a three-up save, it's flat, what, three damage, two damage? It goes to flat three if they have a three-plus armor save or better. So you go into like a, a six-man unit with a three-plus armor save, and you are just, it's dead. Like, there's almost no way that thing survives it. A lot of people just run six-mans because there's no, like, D6 shot blast that really matter, but... Six man's turning into twelve man's really sucks. Like I'm thinking, six man yeah. score pack destroyers more than five yeah. model crisis units when you count those drones. And oh, for the score packs, Nick, because the lesson I learned, you don't want to have to shoot score packs with multiple units. You don't want to shoot any necrons with multiple units. That regeneration stuff is real. Man, Alex Fennel just every time I shot at my, my gallant, like I would go into him in combat, and I was like, it's fine. I'm going to pick up most of the squad, and that's fine. Yeah. It turns out picking up five out of six and then Not watching worth. him roll for three more to come back <laughs> and then you're looking at four of them still alive and about to swing back at you things don't go as planned you know what else is funny i'm thinking about this from other perspectives stuff like demons have to run 10 man units chaos cultists box walkers have to run 10 minutes plague marines want to be 10 minutes all now they're 20 they're just dead they're just dead and now yeah they just become i mean they then become heavy 12 lightning locks that just don't get the extra hits but now they're ap3 Right? And two or three damage. Two or three flat. Those cheeky Scourge players, those Dark Eldar players who run that six Scourge to help with retrieve Nephilim data. Screw them. Yeah. Dead. They're dead. Dead. You're, you're converting me here. I, I'm, yeah. I may come over Blake to the to the dark side there of the Graviton Pulsars. With the, with the trait, man. The trait's nuts. I, I was looking at it last night. I was going to text you it actually. Because I was looking at it last night and I was like, man, it seems kind of dirty. It seems sneaky. Yeah. yeah. That's really the place oh, I thought that that trade had was maybe on like a, a crusader, or not a crusader, but uh, well, yeah, crusader. If you ran battle cannon and thermal, yeah, you can't, can you? You cannot, no, because no, you got to no. you got to swap the thermal yeah. out for it. Yep. Yeah, I want to bring this back to your actual game a little bit because there's one question I've been dying to ask, but it was such a nickening question that we're going to save it for part two, which is the nickening. And the question, Brian, is after you get punched real hard in the gut turn one you know you lost three armagers your your flank is dying you're you're out of position with your gallant and your cast line you know the, the hope is all but lost at this point and how do you compose yourself in a tournament where you're undefeated and you you know you're, the glimmer of winning this thing is still there you went on to finish fifth so it's not you're a real contender here and then you know th this is day one this is not something you're prepared to happen and and you know here you are yeah I will be candid. I, at the end of turn one, I was like, this game's over. That's how I felt. I, I, my mentality was I'm going to try to score as many points. I can hopefully hang around and see where that gets me placings later on. But I felt like I, I, was, I didn't feel like I had an opportunity to win. I, I remained in good spirits, and I will say a big chunk of that, and in a way this may 
frustrate Sasha, but Sasha was such a good opponent and we were having such a good time that in spite of losing, like he and I both knew what the situation was, right? Like it's very clear one of us is not doing. Um, but it allowed me to keep engaged and stay upbeat, which for me is always like it. If, if game is not fun and I'm losing, right, you can you start to disconnect. You get really quiet. Right. Just kind of sitting on your side of the table. Just tell me. You what. just want it to be over. Yeah. yeah you're thinking about like, what can I go and do next? And instead, because I had a, a great opponent, I was still engaged, asking questions. Like, I, I frankly, I was like, I'm going to lose, but I'm going to try to learn as much as I can about what Sasha's thinking and how he's playing into me because this is really effective, what he's doing. So I want to try to learn. So I stayed engaged, and I kept asking questions and talking through. And as I kept asking questions, that's when I started to go, all right, well, okay. So these Black Knights aren't as good in combat as I thought. Like, it's only like AP1 on those hammers. I thought they were Thunder Hammers, so I thought he was swinging, like, flat three damage. So when they got there, he was just going to pick me up. So going, okay, so really if I do target prioritize the speeders, can I, can I stop this from snowballing? Can I stay in? And then we got to the bottom of turn two and I went, the score's closer than I thought it would be. And I've got more models hanging around. Got to the bottom of three and I went, I, I've got a shot. One of the things that I've, I've learned, and it just comes, unfortunately, with losing games, is that I don't want to give up because I always kick myself when I do. Because then I think about it, I'm like, ah. you know, the next day I'm like, hey, if I tried this or if I'd gone for that, maybe I could have turned something around. Yeah. And the, the other part that hangs around for me is that I don't want to be a bad opponent. Like, and I know everybody's going to have a game where it feels bad. We all have those. Um, you know, I, I had a game with Ganyo later on in the tournament where he he picked up six and a half knights before I killed him on. And that's just how Tao plays. But Ow. he was a class opponent. And let me stay engaged. And I wanted to make sure the game was st- like, he's winning. He should feel. But I want to make sure it stays fun for both of us. And so I, I think I that's love the this other. This, one, because Sasha and Ganyo are both some of my favorite opponents I've personally played in 40k. And also because it really it speaks to a, a, a part of the game that we don't really talk about or is not talked about nearly enough. It's, it's how you actually interact with your opponent, the human being on the other side of that table with you. And you're getting demolished in both these games. And you're able to, to, you know, like you said, mention Sasha's demise, stay in it so they can enjoy your game. But, you know, I think it's a really important thing to be able to clobber someone and still be very cordial and have an enjoyable, genuinely enjoyable game with them. What made it enjoyable for you, Brian? What, a, lo- a loss is still enjoyable for me if it's an opponent that's like he's engaging he's not um like actually Nick, the, the first time i played you i think i was a bad opponent because i was hi- I, I no idea if you remember this but i was so nervous playing nick i was hyper focused on winning oh i, I do like, remember right, I our game brian i actually really enjoyed our game because it was so back and forth yeah but i i realized that like i didn't let myself enjoy it because i was so hyper focused on like trying to win and be the best i could possibly be in that moment that it i just wanted to i wanted to be back and forth i want us to both have those moments where we go oh no way like yeah. when your opponent rolls five sixes on the five saves you force and that model's gonna live like celebrate with them that's awesome yeah get into it on both sides that's that's a great way to enjoy it the games you know where you see the two opponents both like turning around and throwing their hands in the air and going not in a positive manner not like throwing their hands in the air i can't i'm, I'm out of here but that, those are that's rare gems for games but they're so fun they're the most fun. that's the table i want to be at and that i the social contract part has become big for me i want to make sure that my opponent i do everything i can for my opponent to have that one if you destroy me, man, I want you to feel great about it. I want to be like, man, Log Strike is just picking me up. <laughs> you have such a great attitude about getting tabled. I love it. <laughs> you know what's funny about you saying that is me and Nick were actually, I think like an hour before we started this podcast, we were talking on the phone 
And um, I had said that the less I care about winning and the more I just enjoy playing the game, I feel like the better I do. I was at Nova and I was like, the team here, I was like, oh, I'm 3 0 today. And I just didn't even think about it. I was just rolling dice, having a good time. And I was like, I didn't care, win or lose. And I was like, I think that's what I play my best 40K, honestly. I will say, as a professional player uh, to a degree, you know, I taken a step back from competing at the highest of levels in recent history and i enjoy 40k a lot more i i find myself getting into those little moments with your opponent about the small little die rolls that don't actually matter and creating these little narrative stories about like the sergeant who lived you, you get into it more um i don't know I, i've been enjoying it a lot more and it's not like you can't still be competitive with it i just want a super major earlier this year but it's just a different mentality you have when you're going into it yeah and i think for me, Nick, that's I've realized that that's what I want in competitive play. I, I want to win a Super Major. Like, man, I wish I'd gotten to play Harpster and like compete for for Nova and finish first instead of fifth. But I I now realize that I want to do it by like me and me having a good time because like what I've sometimes we all forget, but like I'm showing up, I'm traveling to play with toy soldiers. I better make sure I have fun with my like giant smash sequence. That's exactly it. Love to hear the attitude. So I mean, I, and, I like. And sorry, I, I talked mostly just about that, but I think the other part. Nick, that plays into it. And again, I'll say a credit to the, the rules writing is that I now feel like even if I'm losing on models, I have a chance to win the mission. And Knights didn't, did not used to feel that way. Right. You don't have to just table your opponent to win the game. You can, you can play 4DK without having to kill your opponent like before, which is really and cool. I have I have secondaries that don't require, like before it was like, well, I have to take grind. But now I have these, I, I guess I'm now discovering what probably everybody else has been a ninth, which is like, play the mission, play the mission, play the mission. And like, I hear you preach it and I hear any other good player preach it. And I think as a night player, I probably just took a little bit longer to now see that side of the picture, but that was really, it was okay. I'm behind, but how can I score points on these secondaries and primary? Where can I squeeze every point out of each turn to keep me close? And it wound up being enough. And that's a great mentality that anyone can really take to, to their games. And I'm glad you as a night player, because that's an army I make fun of for not being able to play the mission. And players who play it just have to be able to opponent and, and to win the game. And, you know, I, I do that in jest because clearly you're able to still play the mission and really pull wins out of, you know, getting demolished. So um, it's a nice segue into the next question I have for you in the nickening, Blake. He's not here, so I get to just say that without refute. It is the nickening right now. There are no objections. <laughs> and if you're if you're now on the let's play the mission train, because that's my favorite train to get on. <laughs> what if you just run a ton of armatures and halverns and things of that nature? Five obsec models here, five obsec models there. Boom, 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 boom. Point scored, mission done, actions, whatever. Screw you. You could do it if you took the relic, um, the one that lets you retain the what is it? You retain the bondsman ability, right? So you could. You could do it. Yeah, you have some, this book would allow you to do that and actually have some cool ways of doing it. Where I think you know, chaos really has right the rise of the kind of the one abominant and then all war dogs lists. What is it, ten and one? A lot yeah, of times, mm-hmm. that people see that. Mm-hmm. I, I do actually think there's some ability to do that in in Imperial Knights if you stack like a Master of Lore buff on there, so you can get one of the teachings and give up like a five up feel no pain, or you can give. There's one of the teachings that lets knights do an action and still shoot. I know Tim Ullin from WTC, one of their stronger lists um, was one buff Knight Paladin. He didn't really kill anything. He was just there to buff all the armatures. That was Australia. No, I was like... Oh, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Given out reroll once to hit. like 10 or so... Armagers and Halverins. Blake's looking it up. Blake, would you like? I'm to, looking it up. It's Australia. Would you like to place a wager on this real quick? Um, yes. What would you like to bet? I I would like to bet a sandwich at the next time we see each other. A good Bearing sandwich, witness. not a bad sandwich. A very 
We're talking about a sandwich. I'm bougie, so it's got to be a, it, it could be an expensive sandwich, Nick. I want yeah. you to know that. Of your, it's, it's either it's way. It's going to be an expensive sandwich that you pay for. A sandwich and a drink. <laughs> a sandwich and a drink of either sandwich. With, with okay. a side of fries. With a side of French fries. Okay. If my sandwich is going to be Ashevel in Chicago, and it's going to be a very expensive hamburger. So, whatever. But I'm, carry I'm gonna, on. I'll look I'm it up. I'll buy me a steak. That's what this is going to turn into. I, I'm eager to see who wins this one. But I, I think it's, it is a completely valid list. I would say, and, and again, this is where I think it comes. For me, I, I don't love all armatures. I will. I am now a bigger convert than I was. I previously had always run more big nights than I did armatures. Um, I see the value in bondsman. I do, but I like having a couple of big nights on the table. I do think that for me, that's a lot is that of like a feel thing. Like you like playing nights, the big stuff, or yeah. is that competitively well, the like other, you think it's better? I actually do think it's competitively it's better. I I think having at least one, if not two, so that you've got the ability to give up bondsmans. The Castellan, I'm willing to give up bondsmans because it fills such an important niche in the army. But if I were to trade it out, it would be to at least have another knight. So I'm giving out four bondsmans in turn. You know, I think sorry, being able being able to give out enough bondsman abilities if you're going to bring mass armatures to stack up that that minus one damage, I think that's huge. We haven't even talked about the elephant in the room, the Castellan. That thing hasn't been seen since like. <laughs> Eighth edition. Um, it's been paying for itself. I don't know if anyone told you, but that thing got nerfed a lot. Um, I actually, I'm assuming it does what it used to, and it just costs a lot more. I really have no idea what. How um, how did this thing perform, and what what is its purpose in your list? What is it also? So it is a dominus class knight. So it's the biggest class. It's 28 wounds. Um, it does have a plethora of weapons. Uh, it's got four melted guns. Two. I run it with siege breaker turrets or cannons and then two shield breaker missiles those are once you can fire each missile once you can only fire one per turn so i got to magnetize so that i remember i've used them and then it's got a volcano lance and it's got a plasma decimator uh the plasma decimator got upgraded which is nice uh its base stat line is kind of what calls wrath was before so it's base strength eight ap4 two damage overcharged strength nine ap4 three damage you now are getting two mortal wounds per every one you um, which is a little bit of a bummer. The Volcano Lance before was um, D6 shots and then 3D3 damage. So it was made to kill other vehicles. It's now D3 shots, but it is 8 plus D6 damage, which is pretty brutal. And for me, the appeal there is tying in with calculated targeting. Cost 4 CP to use that on a Castellan. But if you have an automatic 6 and you use that on the wound roll for a Volcano Lance shot, that just becomes 8 plus D6 mortal wounds. Holy that, bojangles. That doesn't care what unit you're shooting at. It doesn't care if it's a brick terminators with all kinds of defensive buffs. It doesn't care if it's another knight. 8 plus D6 mortals, because they will spill over, it gives knights the ability, I, I, I've got something to punch against any kind of list. Yeah, I'm guaranteed to kill this unit of terminators. Just, I don't care. It's going to go away. Between everyone else's guns, plus like three of them just insta-die, happens. And the 4CP like cost stuck in my mouth a little bit at first, but then I realized because that thing has so many other guns, you're going to roll other sixes to wound. You're going to get more mortals in there yeah, other than just having the other six. Right. Exactly. And so there, and then this is the other part that I like with the free blade lance. And this is a trick that, and people will hopefully tie onto now is that there is a strap that you can use as soon as a free blade knight kills a character, monster, or vehicle. And it's one CP. It's called Deeds of Legend. And when you do, you can pick one benefit from the oaths. It doesn't have to be an oath you took. Any of the four, so there's eight total benefits. And it applies to that knight for the rest of the game as if it were virtuous. What? So, 
what you can do. Is it a vehicle do. too? Vehicle, monster, or character. That's brutal. So, Nick, say that I've chipped down and you have a wounded plane with two wounds left. And then a huge block of Terminators that I know I need to do mortal wounds to. And all I have left to shoot is my Castellan. I'm going to split fire a couple weapons at the plane and make sure I roll those first. As soon as it dies, I can spin that CP. I can apply Martial Legacy, which is the second tier buff for being virtuous from Layla the Tyrants, which then gives the Castellan access to an automatic six. Then I can turn around to roll my Volcano Lance that is D3 shots. And now, even if it's turn one, I can have a six in my back pocket. Dirty. Dirty now. I, can you so, double flip how many sixes? Points is this thing? Uh, is, let's see, the version I run with two cannons is 630. Well, base. Boy. Plus, he's a Forge Master. So I did upgrade him, which costs points as well. So I'm just pulling him up. He is 655 points. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's, that's why I invested to make him durable, because otherwise, he's just a walking. Wait, he needs all that durability. Him. Otherwise, you just kill him like every other night. Yeah. And that's so. Then, when all of a sudden an opponent looks at him and he goes, All right, he's 28 wounds, he's got a four of invuln against shooting, and he's minus one damage. Do I really want to dump every single gun I have, turn one into him, and maybe not kill him, and then have have both him still alive and everything else to deal with? No, you'd rather and kill yeah. three armagers pretty guaranteed, which is exactly what Sasha did. And it, it leaves me, I know I'm gonna have the chance to punch back because if if you roll well with that thing, or if you use stratagems well, you're you can really pick up units i will say i i that trick that i was so excited about i didn't get i didn't use once for the tournament i didn't get a chance you didn't do the massive mortal bomb no i did i did calculate a targeting with him once no sorry in two separate games i spent four cp and i had a six already and i had to use it on the hit roll oh my god (laughs) the fun thing is you can turn it's after a roll or re-roll and the dice just becomes a six so i had a miss and i re-rolled a miss and you got to turn it into a six. And then I went, well, I'll take at least then I, I have a, yeah. Yeah. I at least have a chance of doing some damage. Right. That's where you just drop the hard six on the wound roll. Yeah. Like I, I believe your facial expressions have indicated to me that you have come up with an answer to our little uh night query. Yeah, it's um it's Australia, man. You owe me a sandwich. That's just incorrect. Yeah, no, I'm lying. You you're right. I the Australia version was. He was very, confident. I was going to believe that. Yeah, he he tried a lot in my face right there through the yeah. internet. It's um, it was Team England. So I owe you a fancy sandwich, fries, and a drink, and I prefer it to be Ashabel because it's the best burger in the world, I'll and it's expensive. It. So yeah, yeah. And Brian, you're going to be Chicago, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. will happily see the make sure that this this debt is paid. Well, you're gonna you're gonna join us for Ashabel then. It's it's probably the best what hamburger. What if I had place. believed you? What if, if I had gone and just been like, oh damn, I can't believe you're right, and then been sad about it? Would you have just stolen my sandwich? No, I was going to buy a sandwich, but now yeah, the I was, internet I was gonna, knows you were wrong. I don't know. I was trying to lie. I didn't try to lie. I was gonna. I was gonna come clean. I just gave, Brian, I gave a little. You, you, what do you think? I'm a little troller. I, I, I a little. He he said it in a tone that I was like, "Oh man, I believe him." But he did quickly come clean. I will give him credit. He did. Yep. So, Thank you. A a bet was made. A bet was lost. All right. So now that I've acquired and secured my sandwich for Chicago, I'm all set. <laughs> I guess I got to ask you a couple more questions. In the nickening, Blake's already stepped away. He has no idea. So Brian. You like your you like your setup as it is. You're thinking about cutting the Moiraxes of all things. What would you even try to replace them with? More armatures? Like, like I was saying, I think just switching out their weapons may be the better fit, but 
I you say really, that, and, but as I, I want, I heard what Blake said, and it really spoke true to me. That this is the second time you come on Unbroken, the second mm-hmm. time you blame the Moirax, and it sounds to me like someone has a problem. It's the lightning locks both times, though. I, I mean, there's I something to be different. I'm not blaming them. I do. I love them, and I think, and part of what keeps them is every time I play an Eldari army, it, I just go, oh, this is why I bring. Every time I play Harlequins or Dark Eldar or Eldar, like I if I got a lot of Eldar and Dark Matt, Eldar, I'm terrified of those things. If I got matched into Matt, I was confident, right? Because I can like I can pick up Aspect Warriors, like Hail of Doom. I was always I played a bunch of Hail of Doom out in San Diego, and that the Lightning Locks for me then became like MVPs. It was like they're perfect. That this is what they were made for. It's just every game you have with them where you run into Space Marines, you just go, "Whoops." I think they just shame they used to be. They used to be so good versus Space Marines 2 is the thing. Like, it's yeah, sad. The AP2 yeah. used to be amazing versus Space Marines. AP1 used to be good versus Space Marines. Now AP2 is like, they still take two ups from this somehow. I was yep. playing Thousand Suns yesterday. I was playing against Jax Eldar. He hit me with a shuriken catapult. Rolled a six to wound. Got the bonus AP. It's AP3 on this thing. My Thousand Suns Terminator took a two up save from that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I do. I played Thousand Suns in San Diego, and I remember him being like, I mean, that's fine. All you're doing is improving my save. Like, somehow, his actual bonuses to save were more than my AP. <laughs> single damage, he was in cover, and he had that's some crazy, man. contempt. And I was like, this Don't forget this all his dust. Fair. They got three different yeah, plus all his one dust, saves. That was it. Yeah. So, um, I think, I don't know. I, I may... I, I could be convinced maybe to swap out the gallant, but I, I just love him as a threat. I, I'm very happy with this list. I do think with the current meta contenders, it plays into them really well. It forces... I, I've come to love knight lists that... And for anybody who's doing building a knight's list, you only have a few units that is correct, so you need to make sure that you are going to force your opponent to make hard decisions. Don't make the decisions for it. And so I, I like this list enough because there's enough redundancy across the board and there's enough, not as much as I would love, but there's enough defensive tricks in there that whatever you try to kill, it's going to be hard. And there's hopefully something left that can kind of fill that role so that there's no, every opponent doesn't come to the table against me and go, well, I know that thing has to die this first turn every game. That doesn't exist. And I do, I like that because it lets your opponent make some mistakes if you can, force them to make the choices. Yeah, your, your army's not the same data sheet. 15 times and your army does have different dimensions to it so against some people the gallant will be the scariest thing for them to place and others might be very terrified of that castling and you know the, the war glaives everything in your army has unique things it's good at unique things it's bad at and by definition your opponent will similarly be more vulnerable to certain things and more advantageous versus others so where some yeah. people may look at that glass half empty i suppose where it's like my opponent can just pick and choose what the best units to kill are and then systematically work your way through my army, you're almost embracing the opposite mantra of that glass half full side, which is they could pick the wrong choice or it just confuses their target priority. This is a very, I think it speaks to your play style because it's very opposite my approach being, you know, I'm not a night player in the slightest. Um, I like KG play. I like hiding and you're like, let's just put it out there. So a lot of the aggressive players, the night players in general, you know, that kind of style of army really lends itself to this threat overload, allow my opponent to make mistakes by presenting them with the plethora of choices, which is, you know, not easy. Like what's the biggest priority, like crisscross it, make it convoluted and really make them work their way through what they should be shooting at or prioritizing and letting them make mistakes. Even accomplished players like Sasha did in their target priority. So it clearly worked. What is, how do you go about that? I guess is my question. What is, what is creating that threat overload where people mess up their target priority? How do you make that situation? 
And that's, I love list building. For me, that's like kind of half the fun of the game sometimes of just like sitting there like on my phone at like unwinding in bed, like at night, like my wife's gone to sleep. I can't sleep. I'm going to try to build a list. Just get my brain going. I think it's just figuring out as you think through any game and any matchup, like start running through the sample matchups in your head and figure out, well, what would I try to do? And, you know, if I run into a battlesuits list, what could, what can effectively work against them? Well, my warglaves can, the gallant can, warrior axes, well, they can pick up shield drones for me, but that's kind of it. But the Castellan can also, I've got a lot of good threats there. Okay, let's go to another, let's go nids, right? Warriors, three damage. Uh, all right, I'm confident, like, I, if I charge them, the gallants smack. If the warglaves charge them, flat three damage, AP three, like, I'm going to kill some warriors. I've got two good threats there. Again, the Castellan's got some three damage abilities. I, I feel like I can, I, I, I'm building it and thinking through if there's any kind of meta list where only one of my units is the answer, that to me is a clearing hole in my list. I, I need to figure out a way to address that. Because otherwise, like, right, there's no, I remember, um, like, uh, 8th edition, you had Gilliman and the Fire Raptor list. A lot of people ran, but it was usually because Fire Raptors were impossible to find. People usually had one. But that list, if the Fire Raptor got killed on turn one, a lot of people went, oh, no, I don't have a way to flex. Like, I don't have a counterpunch here. You need to be able to have that redundancy. In case you lose three Warglaves in the first round of shooting? Yes. Or or um, I, the I played Adrian on night two. He shot me with three fusion pistols. And he was like, do you want to rotate? Only had two CP. He shoot my gallant. And I was like, it's three fusion pistols. Like, I'm going to be fine. Uh, I failed all the saves. I was like, all right, well, that's not good. He did 22 damage with three fusion pistols. Oh. So he then shot it with a shuriken cannon and picked up the gallon. Like, it just happened. Sometimes that's going to happen. And it's gonna, you're going to go, well, okay. It's a good thing I have a couple of other models. Yeah. But um, the other thing I try to do is that I, and it's funny because I'm running a gallon and a castell on this list. I usually try to approach this list not picking anything that was too specialized. That's why the Megara was always so appealing. And Blake, I know you love him. You know, my gear boy. Yeah, I, I think they're great. I re- frankly, that's what I wanted to have in this list. But between the points cost, because he's a, he's about 90 points more than the gallon and the lack of a bondsman ability. I couldn't I couldn't justify him in the list. It's because, hard when you're running a lot of when you're running a lot of uh, war glaives. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, armagers. It just he didn't bring the synergies I needed to the table at a points cost I could digest. And so I was like, all right, let's what's a cheaper option? And I looked at going shooty or, and the gallant to me, just that helm of the nameless warrior, giving another source of mortals and just giving a good counterpunch because, oh, and this is one of the things that I want Knights players to pay attention to. And I, Blake, this is one of the things you and I were texting about. Open up your Knight Codex, flip to the first stratagem page and read the stratagem line break. It's on oh, the second yeah. call. It only, fun- it's one CP and you can use it on a Questor Imperialis model, but it's in the consolidation phase and it doesn't matter if you're in base-to-base combat. It allows you to consolidate six inches, and you can finish that consolidation move not closer to an enemy unit as long as you finish it at least three inches closer to your opponent's board edge. So if you charge and don't kill what you were trying to charge and know that you're not going to survive the clap back, spend the CP, consolidate towards your opponent's board edge, and don't even let them activate. And I I think it's... It's gone under the radar in the book because people haven't really been using a lot of Imperialis. They haven't, like, they, or they take Sanctuary and they're like, it's fine. You're going to hit back, but I'm going to have a save. It's going to be okay. It's how I was able to pass on taking Sanctuary on the Gallant because I looked at that and I went, that is a CP I will spend every time. Yeah. 
Brian, I'll tell you the Majera, um, one of the ways that I've kind of made him, because what I found was people were targeting my Crusader a lot because he has all the synergies, right? So one of the ways I kind of made him a little more of a priority for people is I actually took the Lore Master and gave him the gave him an ability. So he's he's given out five plus film of pain in my list, and which people want people don't like. So it makes him more of a priority in the list and it kind of makes people make mistakes, like you were talking about earlier. And he's a well it's a well-rounded data sheet. He's good in combat. He's got some good guns. Keeps his invuln in combat. Like it's a knight you want to have. It pains me to not bring one. But those are the types of things I'm always looking for on my list is to make sure like I'm not going to be one dimensional because it is really easy to want to be. Like trust me, there's going to come a day where I'm going to show up to a tournament running a House Griffith list that's like three gallons and however many warblades I can fit in the list with, and I'm just going to charge the other seven. But I also know that that's not going to. Think about think about this. I tried to I tried to justify this, but I couldn't. A Majera with the um, Noble Combatants with the Helm of the Nameless Warrior. Oh, yeah. He'll, How stupid is that? He'll smack. That's a million mortals. That's like, you're just, yeah, he's just like, as good as he is in combat, that's like a million times better. He kills everything in the game with that. that I will say, that was the other sneaky thing about the Gallant that I've loved. He's two up weapon skill base, and he's five attacks now. And that, that makes a difference. Yeah. And now that you've got the sweet profiles on the Gauntlet, which is like at three damage, but a lower AP and only two swings instead of three. But they're still doing ten. There's always there's always a good fit for his attacks. That's pretty crazy. Sorry, Nick, that was a really long answer. No, I liked it. I like the long answers. Makes my job easy. <laughs> Blake, I've had a, a great time interviewing Brian on the Nickening. Do you have anything you want to add to try to Blakeify this show up? I Blakeified it enough, man. I added, I added some things. Added a couple sneak. Added a couple things. You know. Uh, Brian, what do you mean? You added a sandwich to my dietary intake. That's what you added. But it's a it's a hamburger is what I'm adding. So but if the you bet was for a sandwich, Brian witnessed a song along with all of our listeners. Technically, a burger is a sandwich. It don't, is. Don't even start with this debate. Protein between two. Pieces it's a hot dog taco. It's gonna blow your mind, Nick. I'm telling you, this is, this burger is gonna blow your mind. It's a it's a whole new thing. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to buy you this. Good, Nick. Right. I've thoroughly excited. enjoyed the Nick. I appreciate all of your your questions and making me think about it. Thanks, Brian. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to be a professional Warhammer coach to help you get better, along with all of you listeners, and even Blake, as hard as he tries not to. Exactly. I'm Blue Raspberry at you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, Brian. Thanks for coming on, man. I will see you in Chicago in three weeks, and I'm very excited for that. Looking forward to it, guys. I can't wait to see you all there. Have a great night. Thank, thank you again you. for having me on. And yeah. Sasha, thank you again for an unforgettable game. And for those listening, join us. I will be interviewing me tomorrow, but it'll be next Monday when you will hear Sasha's side of the story for the first time ever on Unbroken. So make sure to check that out. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com. 